Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. It's Lon Seidman. It's time once again for your weekly wrap-up, and we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about today, including the desecration of the lemmings. We'll expand more on that in a minute. Screen recording on the iPhone. Why NAS devices cost more than mini PCs. Why mini PCs cost more than laptops. Does your 4K TV need a 4K player? And we'll also follow up on some Chrome OS end-of-life issues to continue our discussion on that topic. Lots to talk about now, so let's get to it. I want to begin by thanking our newest supporters here on the channel, including Lonnie Smith, Marshall Bono, and Tony Brown. Uh, They contributed via DonorBox. Asa Stewart and Curtis Flory contributed via Patreon this week. And Masood Magdami uh, contributed via the YouTube membership program. I want to thank everyone who contributed this week, along with everyone who contributes on an ongoing basis and everyone who watches on a regular basis, too, because all of those things equal channel growth. So let's take a look now at the week in review. On my Extras channel, we unboxed the new M30 controller from 8BitDo, and then we reviewed that controller a little bit later in the week on the main channel, as you can see up on screen. We also took a look at the Sabrent Thunderbolt 3 NVMe solid-state drive and looked at it compared to the similar one we saw from Samsung not too long ago. We also looked at running Plex, Uh, on NAS devices, and I also showed how to set it up on the Synology and WD drives to give folks a sense as to how all of that stuff works. You can see all of those videos linked down below in the master playlist. And now it's time for a couple of things that are on my mind, and this is week 105 of me doing this as a full-time occupation. We're now into year three here, and everything continues to go well. And I wanted to take a step back, though, and talk about the lemmings for a minute. Uh, This is a game that I played quite a bit on my DOS PC back in the 90s. I know this was also on the Amiga, which I think was probably the best version out there. And it made it to just about every console at the time. And this game was kind of a puzzle game that was very unique in that you had all these little dudes called Lemmings. This is the holiday edition I captured here, uh, who have to walk across a play field and... Uh, they're kind of dumb. They just walk and walk and walk until they fall off the edge of something or uh, hit an obstacle or something like that. And one of the cool things about the game was that you had the power to give skills to specific lemmings to have them burrow through an obstacle like you see here. Or you could, of course, blow them all up and start over again if you want. Uh, And a number of other things as well. And it was a really fun game that hasn't been remade, at least not until recently, uh, in the modern era. Uh, So the other day I was on my app store getting some apps updated and I noticed this little thing for uh, Lemmings and I said, oh, this is cool, a remake of a game that I was quite fond of. And I downloaded the game and my first impression was pretty good. One of the things that I like about a lot of these modern remakes is that they're making the gameplay more efficient. One of the issues that I had with the original Lemmings is that they would often get themselves bunched up and it was hard to assign a specific skill to a Lemming walking in the right direction, for example, Uh, This one allows you to assign the skills by selecting a grid point on the map, and the first lemming that walks through that grid point 
uh, will get that skill. So for example, we're going to start digging through that block there, and you can see that first lemming that reached the block started digging, and everything went a little bit smoother, and the game was still challenging in that you had to figure out uh, how to get them from one point to the other, but there was a little less frustration in the course of that. Because I often felt that that bunching of lemmings and the fact that you would misassign the skill was kind of a defect of game design as opposed to uh, adding to the challenge. And here you can see that first lemming that walked by that stairwell thing is now building the stairs to the exit. Uh, and all in, it was a pretty fun experience until I dug in a bit more to this game. So I wanted to see if you could just go out and buy the game outright, because the way they have this game structured is that there's an energy meter at the top of the screen, and every time a lemming uh, gets assigned a skill, that energy meter declines by one. You can see what it looks like here. And even if you successfully complete a level, uh, the energy will uh, continue to decline the more you play. So what will end up happening is you'll hit the end of your energy, you won't be able to play through a level anymore, and then if you take a break from the game for a couple of hours, your energy will slowly return. It's a common tactic on these uh, free-to-play games to get you to pay something to enjoy the game for longer periods of time. Uh, Super Mario Run is a great example of that, where you can play the game a little bit and get a feel for it, and if you like it, you pay, what, seven or eight bucks, and you've got... Uh, full access to the game moving forward, and you can easily progress through. Uh, so this was a big change from the original Lemmings in that uh, on the DOS version here, uh, you would have a limited number of skills you could assign per level, uh, but once you got through the level, those skills would then reset or renumber themselves based on how the uh, developers of the game uh, structured the level. And many times these skills were uh, basically limited to just what you needed to get through everything. So a very big difference in dynamics there. And I thought, okay, well, I could probably just buy the game and have it work like the old one, right? No. So if you want to play without limits, in other words, play without having to take a break for a while and let that energy build back up again, you can buy unlimited energy. And I said, okay, seven bucks isn't so unreasonable until I looked here and it was only for two hours. So you can play for two hours for $7 and then it reverts back to the free-to-play model. What a ripoff, right? And then it gets even crazier. They've got like this starter bundle in there uh, where you can apparently buy uh, skills that won't eat into your energy level here. So you could uh, have unlimited stair climbs, for example, times five in a level. Uh, and then after that, they go away. And then they say it's 85% off. 85% off of what? And then they even go further and say there's only one in stock. So out of the thousands of people that are playing this game, there's only one available, and you got to act now to get it. They are just using every scam in the book to get people to spend money on this stuff. And I don't have the statistics in front of me, but I am willing to bet you that uh, many games like this work on a psychological formula that gets a lot of people to pay a lot of money to play these free-to-play games. And I get it. If you're trying to have ongoing development, you need ongoing revenue. But two hours for $7 for a stupid mobile game? I mean, that, that's even more than what I used to spend at the Bowling Alley Arcade when I was a kid. It's ridiculous. And this is just a complete desecration of the original game. And it's unfortunate that I think Sony, who holds this license, was willing to let this developer do this uh, to a great game. Even a game that I think has been reimagined in a really nice way for mobile here. They completely destroyed it. And I'm not giving them a dime, of course, but it's just sad uh, that such a great game that I enjoyed uh, hasn't really been remade properly. And when we finally get something like it, uh, this garbage is what we get. And unfortunately, this is the 
uh, scope of the mobile game development right now. So this speaks to really how the mobile game market has evolved differently than PCs and consoles have. Now, granted, there are attempts on PCs and consoles to do all this crappy uh, in-app purchase stuff, but uh, there's more pushback from consumers and developers have been uh, more apt to listen to that pushback. On mobile, it's a completely different thing, but there are examples of games like uh, Super Mario Run here that I mentioned before that are completely playable after you uh, spend a couple of bucks to get the game uh, purchased, essentially. You never have to pay anything again. In this game, I have never, ever felt like I needed to buy anything to get more from the game after my initial purchase here, and I've really uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. So altogether, I'm just not happy with this Lemmings thing, nor am I happy with how mobile games have evolved at all. But one thing I am happy about is how much easier it is to capture footage on your iPhone these days. Now, of course, on Android, uh, there are apps to do this that do a very nice job, but iOS restricts the uh, developers from getting access to screen capturing. So what they've done in iOS 11 Uh, is built it into the phone itself. So check this out. You pull down uh, the upper right-hand corner of your screen. You will see this little recording icon here. You just tap it uh, and then start recording. And what it will do is count down. You have the option to turn on the microphone as well. And all you have to do is just dismiss it here and uh, you can jump back into your game and record what you were doing. And it seems like it records pretty nicely. It doesn't uh, impact the performance of the games, at least the ones that I have played here. Uh, So if I go ahead and pull that back down and push that uh, red button and hit stop recording, it will then push a notification to me to let me know that it's dropped it right into my album here and it captured uh, everything we just did, including the game itself. We'll let it play back here. It looks like it's running at the full frame rate. And I can, of course, uh, export this into my video editing application, which is exactly what I did uh, for this video. So if you've ever been looking to capture some footage from your iPhone, it's pretty easy to do on iOS 11. And now it's time for a Q&A from you, the viewers. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the end of life of Windows and Chrome OS and Mac devices and how you can have a completely functional device Uh, yet the uh, maker of that device decides to no longer support it anymore, so it won't get updates. And we were speculating as to whether or not a end-of-life Chrome device uh, would still get browser updates. And it looks like Beam Boy here has a definitive answer for us on the browser update issue. So he's got a ThinkPad X131e, uh, which had its end-of-life occur in June of 2018, The final update he received was Chrome OS 69, which took place in September 2018. The Chrome browser, he says, has not received any further updates past this and still reports as version 69 according to the user agent. Uh, So that means when your Chromebook hits end of life, it likely will be end of life not only for the operating system, but also for the browser. And if anyone's experienced anything differently, let me know down in the comments below. Now, this next question comes up whenever we look at NAS devices here on the channel, and it's something that I wanted to talk about a bit. Uh, Kilted John 1000 wants to know, why are NAS devices so expensive when the specs are so basic? And if we take a look at the Synology 1019 Plus that we've been playing around with here for the last two weeks or so, uh, that one sells for $650 with no storage inside of it at all. Uh, yet its configuration consists of a quad-core Apollo Lake processor that was last year's mini PC chip. And you can often find devices built on that uh, processor that run Windows for 
about, you know, $150, $200 or so. They're not that expensive, certainly not $650 expensive. And I wanted to give you some insight as to why I think uh, NAS devices cost more. Now, first of all, a NAS is an appliance. It is designed to do essentially one thing, which is to work as a mini storage server on your network. They're getting a lot more usable. In fact, I've got a video coming up this week to talk about some of the cool things you can do with some of the higher end devices. And uh, this is the one I've been using for the last four and a half years. This is the DS415 Plus, which is running with a a pretty slow Atom processor built inside, but that processor is good enough to do the things that this NAS device does. And at the time that this came out, uh, this was certainly costing a lot more uh, than the Atom-powered laptops and mini PCs that were available at the time. But here's why I think you pay a lot more. Now on screen right here are the release notes for my Synology 415 Plus. So you can see that uh, the first release of the operating system for that device is 5.04519 from September of 2014, five and a half years ago or so. And if we fast forward to today, the top of this page, and it's got a lot of stuff in between the bottom and the top, uh, you can see that I just got an update about a week and a half or two weeks ago, uh, which brought up to date the operating system with a few fixed issues, and sometimes you'll get a security update or something like that. Uh, the bottom line here is that this thing has been updated almost every two weeks or so, sometimes more frequently, ever since I turned it on, but there was only one price to pay to get in the door, and that was it. I don't have to pay a monthly fee. There's no additional licenses for the things that I use. Now, they do have some things that uh, do accrue some licensing fees if you go beyond you know, the one or two that they provide to you as part of the deal. But even those license fees typically are not monthly. They're one time and you're off and running with it. And I think it does cost money to maintain support for older products, especially this one, which hasn't been sold in a number of years, yet they are still uh, providing very frequent updates. And it goes beyond just security and bug fixes, you actually get new features too. So let's take a look at some of the things they've added to my device over the years. One is, of course, Hyper Backup, uh, which is a much more robust backup system than what the drive originally shipped with. So that was a nice uh, update there. Uh, Docker is something that wasn't on my drive initially, but is now, so I can load up containers doing uh, Linux and other things. And what you're going to see here is I'm not using a lot of these features, but nonetheless, they're there if I want to. Uh, the Synology Moments application is a uh, Photos app that largely mirrors how Google Photos looks and feels, but it's hosted on something that you have uh, direct control and ownership over, so that's uh, something that wasn't there initially. Uh, the whole Synology Drive system, which kind of replicates a uh, Google Docs and Google Drive experience with a uh, web-based interface here, was not on my drive initially, but is now. In fact, uh, you'll see a video a little bit later this week where we demo how this works just like Google Docs does, especially when you're doing collaborative document work. You can have uh, somebody in a Word document here at the same time you are and see what they're editing. Uh, likewise, their spreadsheet application here uh, functions in the same way. You can even do uh, charts and all this other stuff. And again, none of this stuff was there when I first got it, uh, but it is now, which is kind of a nice value add for something that uh, I didn't expect to get these new features from, yet they're all in here uh, as it continues to update. Now, at some point, the updates on this thing are going to stop. I'm not sure exactly when Synology cuts it off, but uh, for now, I've been very satisfied with the fact that, again, I paid uh, one amount a couple of years ago, and I'm still seeing that device supported 
uh, rolling forward, which is not something we see all the time from uh, device manufacturers, especially uh, Android tablet makers and sometimes Android phones. This is a nice, refreshing thing to get frequent updates like this. Now, to go back to the original question, I've also found that there's some value to Uh, just paying for something that's going to work all the time, which is why I like to call these things appliances. They are dedicated to a specific task, and part of the cost of entry is the fact that this thing is just going to work, and you don't have to spend all that much time futzing around with it. Now, I could, of course, build my own NAS if I wanted to. There's a lot of great open-source software to do that, but then I'm on my own for supporting it and making sure it stays up-to-date and everything. Uh, That Synology NAS in the closet just does it all in the background, and it's one less thing that I have to deal with. I woke up one day and said, you know what? I'm in the business of making videos, and I need to be focused on that, not focused on keeping everything else working. So yes, I could save money uh, by not using Apple computers, for example, and not using uh, some of these NAS devices. But again, I may have to spend more time to keep those things functioning. And for me, the value is certainly there to pay a little bit more uh, to know that I'm going to have those things essentially maintained by somebody else. And for me, that works. And for folks that it doesn't work for, uh, you do have a lot of options now to build your own and make it exactly the way you want. Now, this next question comes in from BomberKid55, who makes a very good point about the mini PCs that we look at and why they cost the way they do versus laptops. And one great example would be to take a look at uh, what I found for the HP Stream uh, 11, which is up on Amazon right now for $163.88. It's powered by a Gemini Lake N4000 processor that's been in many of the mini PCs we've looked at recently. Uh, it's got a display, not a great one, but it's got one. It's got a webcam, it's got a trackpad, it's got a keyboard, and you've got something that uh, you can take out of the house and use on battery, which you can't do on a mini PC. And it does cost less than Uh, For example, the Pepper Jobs PC that we looked at a few weeks ago, and you might wonder, what's the value proposition here? Well, I think there are some things that mini PCs do better. One is that many, not all, but many mini PCs are upgradable in ways that these laptops are not. So, for example, uh, the Pepper Jobs here will allow you to install more storage and more RAM. Uh, Many of the other mini PCs we've looked at allow you to do that as well. Not all of them do that, of course, and we try to point that out whenever that does pop up because I think the value proposition here on one of these things is the upgradability. Uh, What we found with the HP Stream laptops and many other laptops like it is that they tend to solder everything onto the board, including storage and memory, to shave cost off of the final product. And as a result of that, you can never upgrade them. Some of the HP Streams, you can do the RAM and not the storage. So there's always a trade-off here or there. Uh, Typically with these mini PCs, you don't have that issue. Uh, Also, the other advantage of a mini PC is that you can often squeeze slightly more performance out of those low-end Intel processors because they're not constrained by the thermal issues that you run into with a fanless laptop like the HP. Uh, And also, they can sometimes be clocked differently, uh, like we saw here with the Pepper Jobs, that uh, because it was more efficiently cooled, it could actually run at its full speed all the time and was never throttling down. So there are some reasons why you might want to look at a mini PC over a laptop. I can think of home theater usage as well, where uh, the HDMI outputs on these mini PCs tend to support more of the things that home theater users want versus what one of these laptops might. So again, it's going to vary based on the situation. But one thing I'm going to keep in the back of my mind moving forward on these mini PC reviews is maybe mentioning uh, what the mini PC can do beyond what a laptop might do, or at least point out the uh, mini PCs that 
don't offer the upgradability or thermal options that uh, they should be offering, especially when you can get a laptop for the same price or less. Great comment. Thank you for it. It's given me something to think about moving forward. Now, this next question comes in from David James Halligan in regards to his dad's new 55-inch 4K television. He's wondering, do we need to get a 4K Blu-ray player to go with it, or can we just go with a regular one? And by regular, I believe he's referring to the 1080p Blu-ray player he has now. I think in almost every instance these days, especially with a Samsung TV, even the lower-end ones do a pretty decent job of taking 1080p output and upconverting that to 4K. And in the case of my uh, Samsung set over here or my OLED TV upstairs, both do an exceptional job of it, so much so that sometimes it's hard to uh, tell the difference between a 4K Blu-ray and a 1080p one. Those scalers really are nice on those modern televisions. One thing to look out for, though, is with the lower-resolution DVDs, because sometimes the scaler in your television might be better than the scaler on your Blu-ray player, and many Blu-ray players have the option to just pass through the video without any processing or scaling uh, on their own, so they can have the TV do that. And I would say if your TV is newer than the player, uh, make sure your player is just passing through whatever video it has versus trying to scale it. And you might want to try both and just see which one does a better job. Because I do think uh, as time has rolled on here, even the cheaper TVs are getting better at upscaling. So you may want to experiment a little bit with that. But most Blu-ray players should have the option to disable scaling for uh, lower resolution video. Check it out and let us know in the Facebook group. And our pick of the week this week is some more retro goodness from a great YouTube channel that definitely needs more subscribers. If you are a fan of the Retro Not podcast that we've talked about in the past here on this channel, uh, you should definitely check out Jeremy Parrish's YouTube channel that only for some reason has 33,000 subscribers but should have more. He does these great retrospectives on classic games and he is a wealth of information on all the background that led to a lot of these popular titles. He really knows what he's talking about, and it's a great channel that you should definitely check out, and I think you'll be spending a lot of time catching up on all the content that he has put together there. So this week on the channel, we've got a couple of fun things to take a look at. The first is the GPD Micro PC. Uh, This is a little Windows computer that I also believe runs Linux, and it is powered by a Gemini Lake processor, so it costs a little less than some of the other PCs they have released in this form factor uh, because it is running essentially mini PC hardware here. This one's going to sell for about $300 right now if you pre-order it. It's got a trackpad built in, and uh, you can do a lot of great IT work on this because they even have a serial port built into the back of it, so they're really targeting Uh, people that are in the IT field and uh, want a portable way to do their work. It feels like a pretty nicely constructed device. We are just about done with our evaluation, so I hope to have a review up by Wednesday of this. This is our first priority for the week. Uh, We're also going to take a look uh, at a little bit more with this Synology stuff, as I alluded to before. I did a video talking about why you should look at maybe one of the Plus Series devices from Synology versus some of the other products in their product line. Uh, They don't cost all that much more than the mid-range, and we're going to look at some of the features you get out of one of these uh, by going with the Plus and not looking at one of their ARM-based devices. Got a couple of other things I'm thinking about. One thing I might do is get in a uh, 10 gigabit switch and look at the performance differences you might be able to gain from faster Ethernet. 
I do have that I, the uh, Mac Mini that I got a few weeks ago that has the 10 gig Ethernet built in. Uh, there are now relatively inexpensive Thunderbolt 10 gig Ethernet adapters available, and I just found that there are some switches out there that aren't all that expensive, but of course cost a lot more than regular switches. So I think I might do something with that a little bit later in the week as well, and who knows what else might show up in the course of that. Now, if you want to support the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv support and make a monthly or a one-time contribution to the channel. We also have other channels you can find me on, including my Extras channel, where we've got unboxings and supplementary content. We have the podcast at lon.tv podcast, which is an audio version of this show and some of the interviews that I do. Uh, we also have my Snippets channel, which are portions of this show that we upload in a search-friendly format. And, of course, we have my live streams at lon.tv slash live streams, where you can see some of the live stuff that I do from time to time, including that setup of the Mister that we did the other day, which is a great FPGA-based uh, console project that is making a lot of progress. Really fun video. You can check that out uh, on that link on screen. Now, if you want to get notified every time I do anything on this channel, you can click on the bell to get a push notification and or an email sent to you. Uh, we also have other ways that you can engage with the channel. Lon.tv slash email is my very infrequent email list. We have my Facebook page at lon.tv slash Facebook. We have the Facebook group, which is more interactive at lon.tv slash Facebook group. And we're closing in on 600 people in that uh, little group there. And then we have my store at lon.tv slash store, where I sell things that I've previously reviewed here on the channel and I'm now getting rid of. And we've got an alert that goes out via email every time I add something to the store. I'm about to begin a big purge of my home, uh, so it's going to start filling up with stuff soon. I'm trying to get a little bit ahead on content so I can focus on that because my studio space here is a mess. I have a second room above my garage that is just trashed as well, so I'm just trying to get rid of stuff. So uh, my loss will be your gain, so sign up on that email list, and as soon as I start adding things, you will be notified when those things are on there. And I want to thank you all once again for your continued support of the channel and what I do. It's a real dream to do this for a living, and it's made possible by those of you who watch uh, all the stuff that I put up on YouTube because viewership equals growth. And I want to thank you all for what you have done to help get us to where we are and helping to continue moving us forward. Keep those questions and comments coming. And until next time, this is Lon Seibin. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.TV supporters including Gold Level supporters Chris Allegretta, the Four Guys with Quarters podcast, Tom Albrecht, and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv slash support to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.